Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know, the average oak tree branch can hold 70 pounds. Something you probably do know, your neighbor is building their kid a treehouse. Something you probably don't know, a falling treehouse would take out your whole fence. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All Hit Radio. Welcome to the X Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Worldwide toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com on MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com, and our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. And you can always listen to our archives free of charge at exxonpodcast.com. My guest this hour is Lee Boyland, and we're going to be asking Lee the question, will Egypt be a replay of Iran? And we're also going to be talking about the world in crisis as well. Now, he's an award-winning author from uh, North Carolina State University with a B.S. in nuclear engineering and a commission as a second lieutenant in the U.S. Army Ordnance Corps. After completing the U.S. Navy's Nuclear Weapons and Explosive Ordnance Disposal Schools, he was assigned to the Defense Atomic Support Agency in Albuquerque, New Mexico, as a member of its nuclear emergency team responsible for nuclear weapons accidents, including the rendering safe of armed nuclear warheads. He had access to the design details of every nuclear and thermonuclear warhead developed by the United States through the Mark 63 warhead. His duties took him to Nevada test site on many occasions. After leaving the Army, he designed conventional and special ordinances and later demilitarized chemical weapons for, or I should say at, Rocky Mountain Arsenal and Tool Army Depot. After Vietnam, his interests changed and shifted to hazardous wastes. And uh, Agent Orange, he went on to found a successful full-service medical waste service company. He has started and purchased businesses and currently writes and consults in the management of medical and special waste in the U.S. and Asia. Lee is an active member of the Florida Writers Association, the Space Coast Writers Guild, uh, and Blueprints Book Club. His award-winning trilogy is based on the clash of the civilizations that occurred after a successful nuclear terrorist attack on the U.S. Joining me now is Lee Boyland. And uh, Lee, uh, there seems to be an uncanny resemblance to your trilogy and what's happening in the world today. Boy, I was listening. Thank you for having me on your program. Always great having you. It's a pleasure to be on. 
I was listening to your lead-in, and you said, where fiction is reality. My Lord, it's scaring me to death how close the stories we wrote, mm. starting in 2003, and uh, through the, which the last book was released about nine months ago now, how close it is to reality. You know, it, it's the, not only in the Middle East, but also in the drug cartel problems in Mexico and how bad that's going in Somalia. We, we seem to have hit all the spots, and... The trilogy is very realistic in the fact that it starts out with the attack, how it can be done, and unlike most fictional novels that you get, everything that you read in my novels, as far as technology goes and historic, is all well-researched and is completely correct. So you're not getting a bunch of BS when you read it. If I say something happens or something, how something works, that's right. how it works. Lee, when we come back from this two-minute commercial break, I'd like to talk to you about, um, you know, what we're seeing around the world. And um, are we about to see our embassy in Cairo overtaken by Islamists as well? It's it's a big problem, more than 50 countries in the Middle East. And uh, let's see, Pakistan and uh, also China are now experiencing civil unrest, all because of what they claim was that film, Innocence of Muslims, that had to be the worst production of anything I have ever seen and how anyone could look at it and take it seriously and how this this film could actually cause the civil unrest that we're seeing around the world it, it's just beyond me so maybe when we come back from this two minute uh, break Lee you can uh, help us uh, try to decipher this using your, your skills as a person who you know worked on the disposal of nuclear weapons because from what I see this this film has gone not only viral, but nuclear. Exxon Nation, my guest this hour, Lee Boyland. His website is www.leeboylandbooks.com. That's www.leeboylandbooks.com. Lee and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break in two minutes. Whatever you do, don't go away. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. TV shows. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, 
99 cents. This product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. So Nation, uh, Lee Boyland is my special guest at this hour, www.leeboylandbooks.com. And uh, Lee, the question I asked you when we uh, when we started this segment was, are we about to see our embassy, and I mean the U.S. embassy in Cairo, taken over by Islamists? Boy, I tell you, it looks more and more like Iran, mm-hmm. except it's going on a slower timetable. Uh, but we came close to having it taken over, and I think Morsi is a little bit worried about what would happen, because, you know, you, this whole thing in the, in the election, our election is being looked at from so many different directions. Uh, the, the Muslim Brotherhood has gained control of not only Egypt, but they're gaining control of Tunisia, Morocco. They're trying Morocco. Uh, all through the Middle East, uh, Libya is, is in, is in uh, contests. Uh, Lebanon is in contests. Syria's got a civil war going. And it goes all the way across through Indonesia, through through all the countries you'd mentioned, and mm-hmm. I think you said 60 in turmoil. The Muslim Brotherhood is responsible for much of that. They're in our government. They're advisors to our Secretary of State. They're they're advi- they're training our CIA and our Homeland Security on how to deal with Muslims. So we have the terrorists teach the potential terrorists of people who have been been unindicted co-conspirators on. Uh, the what was it? The Homeland Foundation trials, uh, teaching our people how to t- catch them. You know, it's the fox is not only guarding the mm-hmm. the chicken coop; he's training the other guards too. So, will will this take over? Yes, because there's a Marine blog that came out that stated in Egypt that the Marines, the ambassador, a woman ambassador, another liberal, said you cannot have ammunition to the Marines. So the Marines were running around with M16s with no ammunition. That makes no sense. It, 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 it is so astoundingly stupid that it, it, it's incomprehensible. But this is what happened. Now, we didn't even have any Marine guards in Libya. Mm-hmm. And something I read said that it takes a negotiation between the State Department and the Marine Corps five years to establish Marine guards at a new embassy. And since Libya was a new embassy... We're about four and a half years away from having Marine Guards. Now, that's also stupid, but I, I won't get in. I have not, I'm not capable of commenting on why that's the problem. But what's going to happen is we the same thing that happened in Iran. A big, huge riot will suddenly appear. Mm-hmm. People will just flow like a wave over the gates in through the embassy and take our people. Now, whether they kill them, whether they keep them hostage, or whether Egypt, after all the dust clears and all the all the good papers have been stolen and everything else that's worth stealing is gone, the computers, uh, whatever they can get their hands on, they may then run them out and say, "Gee, we're sorry, this shouldn't have happened, and won't happen again." They know we're not going to do anything. Now, I think Marcy is trying to control this from happening through the election because, looking at it from his point of view from the Muslim Brotherhood point of view, because he is the Muslim Brotherhood's man, they're saying, we want Obama to be reelected. We don't want to do something that forces him into such a position that, that it could cost him the election. So I think Egypt is just sitting there waiting for this to happen. Uh, looking at it from another point of view, they are, they're looking at Egypt, again, point of view. They're looking at Israel and Iran saying that there's high probability that somebody's going to pull the trigger. 
So what have they done? They've staged some attacks along the Sinai border with Israel. It's given them an excuse to move in large forces, armor and other types of forces, mm-hmm. along the Israeli border. And they're sitting there saying, okay, it doesn't matter to us whether Israel attacks Iran or Iran attacks Israel first. No matter what happens, Israel's going to be so damaged that we can just move in and take over. So so they're sitting there saying, let these two fools shoot it out, and we'll go in and take the spoils. (coughs) If you turn around and look at it from Iran's point of view, uh, I put myself in the supreme leader, because Ahmadinejad is nothing but a hand puppet for the supreme leader. I'm sitting there saying, okay, if we wait and Romney becomes president, he actually might jump on us if we attack Iran or Israel. So it would be in our best interest to get this thing over with with Israel before uh, the election or before Obama leaves office, which mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean November. They could wait an attack on November 7th or 8th because he's still in office until January 20th. Right. So they're sitting there saying, you know, if we're going to do it, we're going to want to do it when we know Obama's there. If they wait till after the election, hoping that Obama wins and he doesn't, they got a problem. Israel's got just exactly the opposite calculus. They're sitting there saying, if we wait and Obama's reelected, we're toast. Absolute toast. There's no question about it. If we start the war before the elections, Obama's got a problem because if he just totally throws us under the bus, he'll lose the election. So he might have to back us just to get reelected. So you, the calculus is so murky, and, and there's so many different points of view, but none of them are good for us. We've let this thing go. You know, it's it's gone for three and a half years under the current administration, and it's there isn't any good answers left anywhere. Do you think we might be looking at the same scenario that Jimmy Carter had with Iran, with the uh, with the uh, with the hostages? Could be very well. Could be, except we're a lot closer to the election. So, uh, you know, Carter had what four hundred and forty-four days to mm-hmm. hold to diddle around and and. Uh, and scratch himself and trying to figure out what to do or do nothing. I, I fi- in this case, it, it will, you know, we're at November 6th is the election. I find it very ironic that the new movie Argo has just uh, hit the theaters in which it, uh, you know, depicts the the Iranian hostage situation at this time just before the U.S. elections. Yeah, I, I, I think they're probably wishing, uh, at least the, the Democrats are probably wishing they hadn't done that. Mm, yeah. The situation the way it is. All it is is just reminding people of what a screw-up Carter was, and still is. Yeah. Uh, the last, thing I saw, I, last pronouncement I saw him make uh, was uh, something on one of the Internet sites that said, he's now recommending the Venezuelan election system as the best, better than our system. So, you know, this guy is, is totally, I think, senile at this point. Tell me, uh, what was your impression of the film uh, Innocence of Muslims? And do you think that it was actually the catalyst for the civil unrest that we're seeing today? Or do you think that there's something much more devious behind it? I feel that the uneducated Muslims in these poor countries, and their leaders keep them poor, Mm -hmm. the the whole basis of their religion tramples down any ability for the country to grow and become like a Western civilization because their Sharia law is so all-inclusive that it it stifles any type of uh, uh, entrepreneurship or or freedom. So I think there's a lot of people that that these guys really don't have a lot to do. They just sit around and wait to be offended so they can have a good riot. I mean, they just can't wait for the next offense. And I may hurt somebody's feelings, but just watch what's going on in Pakistan. 
people just running around beating beating pieces of wood on the ground. They're so upset over what? Most of them have never seen the film. That's right. The, the trailer did get out. I've seen the whole film now twice. It is based upon stories from the Quran about Muhammad. Mm -hmm. It isn't anti-Islam. It's just, you know, you can take a story and you can tell it where it's very serious and you can turn it around and make a parody out of it. Sure. And that's what that's what this film does. It makes a parody out of Quranic stories about Muhammad. But it isn't lying. It isn't telling anything untrue. It's just telling it in a what I consider a funny and very poorly, extremely poorly done. It was the worst film I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, well, as I was saying to a guest earlier today, I um I, I hate to think what's going to happen when the civil unrest that the, that we're watching in the Middle East lands on our shores. Well, Iran's threatening. They're getting more and more bold with their threats. They, you know, they're they're implying that they have cells in this country ready to raise up, or rise up and uh, attack us. And I think that's true. I think it may not be directly Iranian cells. It will mm -hmm. probably be Hezbollah, Hamas. Uh, Muslim Brotherhood-sponsored cells. You know, this is an alphabet from A to Z full of these little cells, but they all have the same purpose. And we may very well, like like in my second book, after the attack, we had domestic jihads appear. I think they're here. They just haven't been told to, to do it yet. We could have explosive vests in the, in the uh, malls. We could have any number of things happen. You know, they may have even been able to smuggle in some of the surface-to-air mm -hmm. missiles that that are missing from Libya. Uh, these shoulder-launched, and they're not going to take down a high-flying plane. But if you can get these things near an airport, especially on takeoff, you can nail a plane that's taking off uh, full of fuel, that's and right. it's going to crash right in the city. Yeah, uh, and all it's going to take is one of those little missiles to blow the engine out. When we look at the 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 the, uh, the civil unrest that is happening throughout the countries where Islamists are, are the majority, what do you think can be done to to you know diffuse the situation? <laughs> you asked the sixty-four million dollar question. Uh, I wish I had an answer. the The problem is we. Look, the, the number one problem the West has, especially us, is we look at these people through our lens, our mm -hmm. views. We we look at them from how do we address them, teach them about democracy and freedom and all of this, and they don't have the clue of what we're talking about. They know about that they go to the mosque, the cleric tells them what to do, they're governed by Sharia law, it's extremely strict, the the Allah, Allah does not allow people freedom of choice as our as the Christian God and Jewish God does. So, you know, their whole life basically is written before they're born. So, the the term Ishla Allah, as as God wills, mm -hmm. has much deeper meaning than most people in the West means. What it basically means is, no matter what happens, it was God's will and it was going to happen, and I'm not responsible. It's kind of like passing the buck. Oh yeah, I mean, I could shoot you dead and say Ishla Allah. It was it was written that I would do this. I had no choice. You know, is uh, is it possible, Lee? And this is a question I'm going to leave with you until we come back from this commercial break. Is it possible that the countries that we're trying to instill democracy in just cannot handle democracy, and it's their frustration trying to understand democracy that is bringing up this hatred? I think that's some of it, and plus the fact that they are—they get most of their news through their mosques, 
and the clerics, t- you know, rile them up. So what they're being told and what what lessons they're being taught and, and what information they're being given, mm-hmm. we really don't understand because very few of us speak Arabic. All right, Lee, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our commercial break with the news at the bottom of the hour. Exonation Lee Boyland is my guest this hour. His website, www.leeboylandbooks.com. Our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. And for our archives, which are available with our compliments, www.xzonepodcast.com. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.x. ZBN.net. Welcome back, everyone. Lee Boyland is my special guest here on the Exxon. And by the way, this is the first show of the 2012-2013 season, 20 years of broadcasting the Exxon radio show. So to all the listeners, to all our guests, to all the radio stations, all the networks, thank you. 20 years. You guys mean the world to us. You know, over the years, Ali, we've talked about UFOs. We've talked about ghosts, hauntings, things that go bump in the night, government conspiracies, government cover-ups. And if somebody would have told me, going back to 1992, that today I'd be talking about 
civil unrest being caused by a very poorly produced film on a, based on a religious philosophy. I would have told them they were nuts. But here we are, the year 2012, and this is exactly what we're looking at. Not only do we have the the unrest being caused by religious philosophies and this and this idiotic movie that was made, but we're also watching the tensions between Israel and Iran just boiling over. Now, my question to you, Lee, is let's take a look at this from both sides. Israel attacking Iran, Iran attacking Israel. How do you see it playing out? Uh, first, I want to congratulate you on 20 years. I Thanks, didn't buddy. know. Yeah. Uh, let's back up to 2008, about this time, September 2008. And Iran was just getting their centrifuges going. They had about two or 3,000. They were still in the P1, P2 phase. They, they were having all kinds of troubles learning how to make them spin without coming apart. They were building their own their first underground facility at Mataz. It was uh, a huge bay underground. It's about uh, 90 feet underground. It had about three yards of reinforced concrete between it and the surface. And they only had about anyway, three or four, if they had that many, maybe 2,500 centrifuges in it. They had their, they were just beginning to get large quantities of yellow cake, which is uranium oxide. That's that's the way it comes from the mine. When the ore is processed at the mine, they turn it into your, what's called yellow cake. And that's shipped to a facility that then like a like a big metal processing facility that turns this powder yellowish powder material into uranium hexafluoride mm-hmm. which is a actually looks like rock salt if anybody ever seen rock salt yeah. there's chunks of it and it's sort of a bluish green the ones the, uh, the the salt that i've seen sometimes they're white that is solid and when you heat it uh it turns into a very corrosive gas called uranium hexafluoride and that's what goes into the centrifuge and when it goes into the centrifuge, it has 0.7% uranium-235. So you've got to get it from 0.7% to 90% to make a bomb. So it go, you've got to go through a whole, whole, whole bunch of centrifuges to get it. Each one kicks it up just a little bit, and then it goes to the next one. It gets kicked up. So Iran was just getting this started. They, they had the yellow cake coming in. They have their own uranium mines. They mm-hmm. have uh, refi- ore refining facilities. I think the Russians build it for them. Uh, the uh, the key facility with the uranium hexafluoride plant, which was on the surface in Ishvaram, if Israel had taken that plant out and maybe one or two of their their uh, their small reactors, and of course the Bashir reactor wasn't wasn't loaded with uranium at that time, so it could be destroyed, it would have set Iran back ten fifteen years. Uh, they could do that. They could do that with the planes they had. Iran, Iran did not have really good air defense system at that point in time. They had Shab 3B missiles, which were, they didn't have a whole lot of them, but they could reach from, from uh, western Iran, they could reach uh, Israel. But they didn't have that many of them. So Israel was in a position, this time in 2008, that they could have gone in and really set set. Uh, Iran back. They could have taken out their R&D facilities. They also have their their main explosive plants near Ishvaram, and that makes the really high energy explosive you need for a nuclear weapon. They could have got that in the in the Hex plant at the same time. They could have hit the uh, design facility up near Tehran. It was possible. Now we're at now we're in 2012. Iran has a 
probably a thousand or more surface-to-air, uh, surface-to-surface missiles that can strike Israel. Mm-hmm. They have an air defense system that hasn't been tested in combat, but it's probably going to work. Uh, they have got many facilities underground, much better than the one at Nataz. They've built them under mountains now that are now 200 feet underground. The United States, the, bo- the bunker-busting bomb that would have gotten the facilities in 2008 weighed about 3,000 pounds, and that roughly. The ones that we have developed, and I don't know how many we have, but they were, they were rushed into development, weigh 30,000 pounds. Wow. It takes a big airplane. You're, it takes a, a B-52, a B-1, or a B-2 to carry this thing. You're not going to, somebody said you can bring it in on a C-141. C-141 would never get near the target. It'd be shot down. It's just not a, com, it's not a bombing plane. It's not designed for that. It's not a, to, to operate in a, you know, where air war is going on. Uh, Israel cannot, in my opinion right now, hope to, real, hope to take out the Iranian facilities with anything other than nuclear weapons. They just don't, mm-hmm. there's nothing else they have. Now, they do have lots of nuclear weapons. They have probably 250, maybe 350 warheads. They have a couple of German submarines that are capable of launching cruise missiles that can carry. And, and uh, we're talking the, the Israeli, Israeli weapons somewhere in the 150 to 250 kiloton range, big weapons. Uh, the Iranians are going to be lucky to get a 20 kiloton the first time around. That's what you know. That's what we came up with. That's what the Soviets came up with when they made their first one. China wasn't much different. So your first weapons are going to be big, heavy, and crude. Uh, the Israelis have the advantage of knowing an awful lot about uh, how to make them because some of their scientists were on the Manhattan Project. So Israel can totally annihilate Iran in a matter of probably 15 minutes. But if they do, they will be, they'll be despised by everybody. The whole world will jump on them and criticize them and pound on them. Why? If they don't, Iran's going to take them out with a nuclear weapon when they get one. So it's either die or be criticized. Why is there this hatred between Iran and Israel? Because going all the way back to... About 622, when Muhammad switched from being a peaceful prophet to a warlord, mm-hmm. he started talking about the Jews. And the reason he got very angry with the Jews is that he started out in Mecca saying, I'm the prophet that you're waiting for. I'm the one that you've been waiting for. And he told the Christians the same thing. I'm the prophet you're waiting for. And they all said, no, you're not. And he got very angry. And that's what turned him he spent 12 years trying to convince people that, that he was the prophet, and they turned him down in Mecca. In fact, his tribe ran him out of Mecca. He was just causing so much trouble that they booted him out. He went north to a, a little town called Yatrab, which now is known as Medina, mm-hmm. the city of the prophet. And there he, he switched from – he started to get angry, and then the Jewish tribes there, there were three Jewish tribes, and they laughed at him about being their prophet, and that did it. And he turned on the Jews. And the Quran is full of hateful comments about the Jews. They're sons of pigs and apes. You know, it goes on and on. So every Muslim child is taught from the time they can, they, they te- they can uh, speak to hate the Jews and the Christian secondary, but hate the Jews. It, it says, 
in the last day or the uh, the day of judgment the the rock and the tree will turn to the muslim and say there is a jew hiding behind me come and kill him but but don't i'm, I'm paraphrasing it but that's 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 what it says but doesn't uh, anyone so that's re- why they hate him doesn't, yeah, they're, does, they're, they're, they're that. but doesn't anyone realize lee that that we've grown past that you know that that this is a philosophy that why can't we just all get along? Because the Islamic, Muhammad said, and he was the only author of the Quran. He was the, he, Gabriel came to Muhammad, gave him the word of, of Allah, and then he recited it to his people and they wrote it down or memorized it. And it was later recorded 20 years after his death. It was compiled by the third caliph and turned into the book we call the Quran. And it says in there, you cannot change one letter of one word. So you can't reform a religion if you can't change anything. You can't add, you can't subtract. Mm-hmm. Now, the Quran is only about 30% of the Muslim faith. The other uh, 70%, rough in rough terms, is the deeds and actions of their prophet, Muhammad. It's called the Hadith. Those are the stories about what he said, what he did, other than what he, when he wasn't reciting. And the Hadith and the Sunnah, which is in between, is the biography of Muhammad that was compiled from the Hadith. So the biographies were written 180 years after he died, and there was very little written down. So there's all kinds of speculation about who did what, how much was generated. Uh, Robert Spencer has a new book out, uh, Did Muhammad Really Exist? Mm-hmm. And I've read it, and he raises some very, very penetrating uh, points and some questions. He doesn't say yes or no, he just lays out what he's been able to discover. And it seems that a lot of these hundreds of thousands of Hadiths that that exist were literally written by people 150 to 100 years after Muhammad died, because they needed to justify doing something, and so they just said, oh, the the Prophet did this, and they wrote up a Hadith and put it out and said, see, we're just doing what the Prophet did. So they were counterfeit. So... The whole basis of their religion is based upon one person and what he said, did, or what he recited. And he did all this in 22 years. He went from being a a, basically a a caravan manager to one of the most important people in the history of the world. And he did it in 22 years. Unbelievable. You know, uh, when, when you think about it, the big picture... Lee, what we see is a world that is being sent into turmoil over religion. Is it possible, then, that we have outgrown religion, or is this a time where we need more religion? Boy, uh, you can answer. That's a loaded question. Uh, the Christian religion teaches peace. The Jewish yes. religion teaches peace. The uh, the Hindus, I don't know that much about. I know the Buddhists are all very, very peaceful people. They don't believe in it. They will defend themselves, but that's it. They don't want to start anything. Uh, Islam is a is a religion of conquer. It, it's not it's not a religion. It's an ideology with a religious component. It's an all encompassing form of government, mm-hmm. a way of life, everything. And uh, any country that's under Muslim control is under Sharia law. Sharia law is is the law. So that's why uh, they can't assimilate into our country because. Muhammad forbid anybody to go under secular law. You have to be under Allah's law, and that's in the that's Sharia law. So uh, you can't 
you can't uh, accept the constitutional values that contradict Sharia law and Islamic principles. And, and that's just a major problem. Now, in the second book of my trilogy, we got into this, and the solution that was proposed was that if you have a war with Islam, there's only going to be a there's got to be a winner and a loser. And yeah. of course, since I wrote the book, we are the winner. And in that case, then what you the only answer to break this cycle is to take the children away from the parents and educate them in schools that teach them something besides the Quran. In other words, teach them real history, real science, uh, real political uh, history, uh, literature. Expose them to what you and I and probably everybody that's listening to me got exposed to starting in the first grade all the way through whatever level of education you have. They don't have this. They are taught, they spent most of their time memorizing the Quran in Arabic, even if they don't speak Arabic. They have to memorize it in Arabic. So their education is all the Islamic doctrine. And that's why you can't reason with them, because they don't they have no concept of what it is you're trying to tell them, and it contradicts everything they were taught. The whole idea of freedom, of freedom of choice, uh, contradicts everything that, they, that they've been taught since they were a toddler. So why do we keep on trying to teach them how to be democratic and show them a, dem- a democratic way of living if it's not going to work? The reason is... The people that are doing it refuse to accept what I just said. They, they, it, it is, it's a matter of faith in their mind is that re, being nice will, will win hearts and minds. And, you know, and I, in a recent paper I have posted on the front page of my website, if anybody goes to it, it says, Will America Remain a Constitution? All right, hold on, hold on to that thought, Lee. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. Lee Boyland is my special guest, www.leeboylandbooks.com. And Lee and I will be back after this short commercial break. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Exonation of Lee Boyland is my special guest. His website is www.leeboylandbooks.com. It's always a great pleasure having you with us, Lee. I'm sorry I cut you off in midstream, but we have to take our commercial break. They're, they're what we call hard breaks here. We can't deviate from them. But please continue what you were saying. You've got to pay your bills, that's for sure. Uh, we were talking about why people can't understand what's going on. Yeah. And on my website, on the front page, is a list of papers and articles, some I wrote, others, others. And at the bottom of that, there's a series of buttons for the other pages. The bottom one has Islam on the left. There's an awful lot of information, quotes from the Quran. Mm-hmm. For anybody that wants to learn uh, learn more about it, there's, there's a tremendous amount of information, including many links to other sites that have information. But my, my current paper is, Will America Remain a Constitutional Republic? And it basically goes through what we've talked about on this program. One of the quotes I mentioned is from Albert Einstein, and I think this helps answer your question about why do we keep doing it over and over again. And he said, and I, I don't have it in front of me, so I'm going by memory, he says, insanity, colon, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Yeah. 
And that's what we've been doing. We do the same thing over and over and over again, and we get the same result, and we keep wondering, well, it's got to work differently next time, and it doesn't. Hmm. It, it, so, it's, it, it is crazy because it seems the harder, the harder you try to instill or force upon these people your wills and your desires, the harder they fight back. So you'd think they, we would have learned by now. Well, we're not forcing it on them. See, it, they understand power. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a good friend in the, who's uh, now retired. He's semi-active as a trainer with the CIA. He did, 20, he did 14 missions in Islamic countries. Wow. He was out, out with the patrols. With the, uh, He said, you know, he's been in firefights with, uh, with the Muslim people that were protecting him. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there's some things you understand is one of the principles of Islam is called taqiyah, which means you can lie if it advances the, 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 uh, the Islamic faith. So I can put, if I'm a Muslim, I can put my hand on the Quran and swear that I don't believe in Allah, knowing that I'm doing something to help Allah's cause. <laughs> so, you know, and he verified it with me. He said, we put these people on the box, you know, the, uh, uh, truth detector. Mm-hmm. And they can pass it. They can lie to your face because it doesn't affect them because they don't consider it lying. Therefore, it doesn't trigger the response. If I lie, I get a, a jump in my body react. If I believe what I'm saying, the line stays smooth. And that's the point. They can lie and the line stays smooth because they believe it's okay. It's, it's not a problem. So you, you've, got a, you've got a problem in an area where the only currency of respect is based on power. If you're powerful, they respect you. They may not like you but they respect you. And that's what we need to, to deal with. We don't want them to like us. What we want them to do is respect us. Then, then how come they don't respect the United States of America, the most powerful country on the face of this planet? Because we constantly demonstrate we aren't. Look at what just happened in this embassy, in this uh, consulate. Do you think that would happen in a Russian or a Chinese? Never. Good <laughs> Lord, there would be, be nothing left of Benghazi. You know, I don't even know what they would do, but they wouldn't even think about doing it because they know all the wrath of God would fall on their heads immediately. But every time they get by with doing this to us and nothing happens, it's just it's painting up. It's putting a sign on your back saying, kick me again, please. Lee, you and I have to say so long for tonight. Always great talking to you. Look forward to the next time that you join us here in the Exxon. Until then, my friend, thanks very much for all you do. And Exxon Nation, if you'd like to find out more about Lee Boyland, Visit his website at www.leeboylandbooks.com. I'll be back on the other side of the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as the X-Zone continues with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. (music) 